RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Hashtag Man's Best Kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide into the DMs. We'll hook you up. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. Welcome back to another episode. We've got an exciting one for you today. My dear friend, M.G. Medeiros, Marie, the ex-employee. <laughs> That's alliteration, everyone. Uncle Bob knows things. She's That's rhyming. Rhyming. Alliteration. Alliteration is like... Kevin's talking. He doesn't have a microphone. No, but that's rhyming, and that's pretty good. But alliteration would be like Leslie's, Louis, Lefty, whatever, like all the same letter in a row. Okay. Swing it back. <laughs> we're off Anyways, to a good start. <laughs> we're off to a good start, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Marie is back. She is in town this week training with me and Oliver Berman, who, uh, shame on him, didn't stick around for the fun. But... Uh, we're going to have fun. Let's clink. Cheers. Um, Silver Lions Kennels is, mm, what do you think, seven months in business? Uh, since about February. I'm not a big math guy, but. Four, four-ish, five-ish. Five-ish. All right. Well, it seems longer, but how has it been going there, bud? Welcome back. Thank you. It's been good. Yeah, we've got a base out of New Hampshire, and we're doing a mix of bird dogs and retrievers and the versatile thing and you have the quintessential smorgasbord <laughs> some would say that yes there's a are they griffons are they 
What are they? So I've had some wire hairs, but right now I've got two of the uh, wired haired pointing Griffons. Yes, they they're very eclectic in their mustaches. Yep, they got great beards. It um, makes me jealous. Um, so I saw them. You've got a couple of German short hairs. You got your man Colt, you, and then you've got a bunch of young lab puppies. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, and you got a nice show golden. Yes, Esme. I do. Yes, Esme. Shout out Esme. She did pretty good today. She did good. Yeah, I'm proud of her. Little struggle on the first watermark, and then rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Bingo, bingo, sparkles. Inside joke, everyone. You had to be there. <laughs> Show Goldens. Living the dream. Um, all right. Let's kick back because the last time you were on the show, we had Grayson on. Actually, your only time on the show. So you're a, a repeat mm-hmm. offender, second timer. Um, Grayson was here. You were still working here, I think. Or it was like your last week. It was like your Bon Voyage. That was the Bon Voyage. We were hunting grouse for yes. pretty much a week and he came up with his dogs and we just had a good time. Yeah, yeah, we did. So after that, you finally got to have a honeymoon with your sweet boy, hubby, Steve. Big yeah. Steve. <laughs> yes, I did. But your honeymoon is not like everyone else's that goes to Hawaii or, or you know, the Maldives. No, we waited till uh, the beginning of December when it was cold and wintry and about to snow. And we traveled out to Iowa. We got a hunt with my short hairs breeder, uh, Colts breeder. Out Who is at, it? At Top Gun Kennels. Um, love their dogs. Very proud of Colt. 100%. Uh, if you're looking for a short hair pointer, 100% uh, recommend them. Excuse me, my allergies are killing me. Um, but yeah, so we got a guide with him. He got a guide with his father and grandfather. Um, back naturally, beautifully to both those dogs. What were you hunting? We were hunting a pheasant out there. We hit Iowa actually at the beginning of deer season. So it wasn't ideal on public land, but we went to a private property and that ended up being pretty fun. Sweet. And then from there, we went up to Aberdeen, South Dakota. All right, slow down, bud. Oh, okay. Slow down. All right, all right. I want to learn more. What was it like hunting with the father and grandfather of your dog? What were they like? What were their personalities like? Did you see them have characteristics that Colt has? Or you're like, oh, snap, that's that's a cultism. Yeah, so very similar. Um, Maybe you shouldn't say this on the air, but. Him and his uh, grandfather shared a bird retrieve, maybe popped the head off of a bird, but um, they did have a shared retrieve. So that was actually pretty funny to see them coming back with that. But they both had a very similar style. They were bold, but very cautious and sent. And then both the retrieve dives were just off the charts. So sweet. Yeah, it was neat to see. Uh, your dog is black. Roan, right? We call him a speckled Labrador here at Londa Chateau. What were those? Were they both black? Uh, no, his grandfather was liver. Let me think. His dad was liver and his mother was black and white. Okay. Yeah. So we've like, like generally in the industry, you try not to do the homozygous black and black. 
because then you can still have black and roan puppies if you do a roan parent with a black parent or a liver parent with a black parent so right. the the black gene is still dominant in them as well oh okay yeah all right so slow it down because i think i picked up on it so if you have a so roan for all you labrador folks roan is like the heavy ticking heavy heavy ticking word faint white very faint white um but mostly speckled with big patches of of the solid color right so it can be liver and white with some ticking or liver and white or liver and roan which would be very little white black and white black and white ticked black and white roan true mm-hmm. okay so now you said a big word homo sapien something like that almost i guess yeah way above my pay grade what does that mean uh pretty much same same so i mean it is it's it's the same so black and black yeah liver and liver mm-hmm. that's homozygous yeah okay so now if you non-homozygous it'd be black and bred to a liver yeah so it's almost like in labrador it's a black with like a, a yellow carrier oh okay you know so it's if you breed a black to a black, most likely you're going to get an all black litter. And generally in the industry with the breed standards, it's not ideal to have an all black litter. Hmm. Just okay. like it's not ideal to have an all black Labrador litter if you're, you know, trying. All right, I got you. So grandfather and him shared a lot of similar characteristics father what was he like uh very similar to colt like because colt's a smaller dog for a male especially but like a brick shit house like muscled up yeah and both his parents actually mother and father were both short in stature but like when we saw him in the kennel we went to puppy pickup it was like two little bull looking short hairs nice <laughs> looking at yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what Colt looks like. Every muscle has a striation. Yeah. You can see his like lap muscles and like his back strap looking muscles and he's just juiced up. Yeah, he's a muffin. <laughs> Go on. So his dad is the same. Yeah. Yeah. But how did Colt and Prairie? So he ranged a little bit closer to begin with, just because we hunt That's in the no- yeah we hunt in the woods up here, and you know kind of figured it out with the other dogs. Okay. What really surprised me was how he backed because I really only ran him. I think uh, running with Ethan that one time with Thunder yeah. was the first time he really backed a dog at all. Cool. Um. So seeing like. Three of them flank one point, and then him and another dog flank and hold steady till the flush was just Super that's cool. pretty unreal. Yeah, that's awesome. How did the birds work on the private land? Were they pen raised, probably, or was it wild birds just on pub, private land? Um, well, it was a preserve, so they were put out as far as so pen raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they do get some of the outlying birds in the area obviously because it's they're making habitat for their birds so mm-hmm. um but it's pretty wild so a lot of the bird that 
don't get shot also just kind of stay in the area. So you never really know what you're going to run into. Cool. So was it put and take meaning like we put out 20 birds this morning, go hunt them or was it, uh, yes, you're nodding. Yes. Or was it like throughout the season, they just stock the field and you don't know. Uh, no, they, they plan it out. Mm -hmm. So you put in, I mean, you buy like buy an allotment of birds and you put them in. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that you won't find more. Yeah. 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 That's super cool. So, all right. Colt had fun. Colt learned a ton. How did you shoot? Well, with, with them, I, uh, I didn't shoot. So I just got it with the dog. Oh, no I way. ran the dog. Cool. Um, Steve, my husband and our friend who came with their lab, um, did some flushing stuff. They shot a bunch of birds. Um, Steve got our one wild Iowa pheasant. Sweet. So that was cool. And that was pretty much it for Iowa. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you went to South Dakota next. <laughs> Tell us about that. Quote, quote, well, it, not quote, quote. It was our first wild pheasant hunt in South Dakota. Cole the GSP and SIG freaking pheasant in my life. Really? Like, I mean, just left and right. The problem with where we hunt, so we went to the CRP lands, which is like the, they can be public, but they can be also privately owned that they're allowed to, you're allowed to go hunt. And they have, I, uh, South Dakota is pretty cool in like how you can find those private lands to hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to a spot like just outside Aberdeen. It was like five minute drive. And it was all uncut. It was a, like a massive island of uncut corn and then hayfields around it. So we, we obviously were on the outside of the corn because the corn was above head. And the dogs would go into the corn and be like 10 birds flushed out. But all, yeah, but all like 100 yards away. So we're like, well, that doesn't work. Right. But so we kind of just like, that day was just kind of figuring it out. And then the next day we actually traveled to our, um, our duck spot and we found another CRP grassland area and the grassland was really cool. Cause we saw some grouse and then we saw some wild pheasant. Sweet. And again, my husband's the sharpshooter. So he got the, he shot all the pheasant, but I'm going to tell a funny Steve story right now. You know what I'm going to say? So we're, we're training the bird dogs and I don't remember if we were running Colt or a dog in training. Was it Colt? Okay. So Colt is technically Steve's dog. And he loves this thing. He sends me pic obscene pictures of Colt. They sing together in the morning. They do a lot together. It's a, a true unspoken bond, Steve and Colt. And so we're going to put some pigeons out to shoot. And I'm like, Steve, did you bring a gun? And he's like, yeah, I got one. It is like a sawed off home defense gun. And I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing this thing. So we're walking behind Colt locks up on this pigeon. Perfect. I'm like, all right, you get here. Everybody watch out, you know, make sure we're safe. If the bird flies here, you know, we're doing the whole deal. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to pop the pigeon. And I popped it. And if you've ever seen a pigeon come out of a trap, it goes straight up 10, 15 feet in the air. And then it starts to fly. And usually you let it fly a little bit and then bang, you shoot it. Well, this sucker came straight out of the air. And, oh, there was like nothing left of this pigeon. 
I'm like, all right, Steve. Um, not sure what choke, if there is a choke or whatever, <laughs> but we want to let that pigeon ride a little bit on the next one. I mean, it was like, well, you told me to shoot it. Like, I had die, and you did. And then you did. Now Colt has no retrieve because there's nothing left. So that was a pretty, I'll never forget that uh, hunt with him. But it was like a Remington 870 pump, home defense, black tactical, red dot, whatever, like whatever trick he has on those things, he's got them tricked out. Uh, but it's a pigeon killer. He didn't miss. He didn't miss. So good for Steve. Shout out. Big, big Steve. Um, so South Dakota was that, did you duck hunt at all in South Dakota or was it all pheasant? Yep. Uh, so after Aberdeen, we headed out West. We actually went to like the very Western border of the state and, um, uh, we went to an outfit. So this was like the, the technical honeymoon phase was our treat to ourselves. It was, uh, we actually had a couple traveling with us, which was really fun. Um, and they brought their little British Labrador that that's sick. Yeah. That yeah. I, that I kind of hooked them up with and train or help train them a little bit. Um, really nice dog. And, but this was his first like big duck hunt too. Mm-hmm. And really for my dog Sprocket, I mean, I've, I've hundred little holes in New Hampshire and the old jump shoot queen here. Yeah. yeah jump shooting wood ducks. It's our f- specialty. Uh, so this was like her first thing and it was like a mixed bag of like the first day, 5 a.m. We roll up and set the scene. Yeah. Okay. So we get to the outfit really early in the morning, four o'clock or something. We get to the spot at like 445, five. He's like, we're going to sit here, see if the birds, like we see the birds come into this. It was like a farm pond. Okay. So we're watching our watches. The sun's coming up. We don't see any birds coming in. There's no birds. Okay. We get out of our truck. But where are the birds? Yeah. He was like, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to drive around to the pond and just see what's up. We drive around to the pond. We get out of our truck, slam our doors, and like entire, like, black sky of geese and ducks. Really? Like, you couldn't, I've never imagined that many geese and ducks how big was this pond if you had to like put words to it acre and a half so not huge but no you know out there i think when they when you create water out there because it's such a big like flyway from canada that if there's water they'll come and stay for a little bit so Mm -hmm. it's my understanding at least i'm no professional as far as that but um so yeah so we set up our blind we did everything put the decoys out Sun was like still kind of coming up. So it was like a really cool scene. And then um, the ducks started coming in and this was like Sprocket's real first, like, let's see a bunch of ducks come in and hear like 10, 12 shots go off and mm-hmm. let's see what happens. Layouts? But no, this was just a, a regular like sit down blind. So we were in like a... A-frame? It was just like a regular blind. Okay. What do you call it? Like what? Uh, yeah, panel blind. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, A-frame, panel blind. Okay. Yeah. A-frame, I'm thinking like a house. A-frame. True. Anyway. You're good. <laughs> um, so the first group comes in. We shot, I think, four birds, um, crippled one. So the first one I sent her on was literally in the decoys, 
five yards off the shore. Okay. And send her to go get the bird. She gets in the decoys, gets 20 yards out, looks at me. It's like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, there's no holding blinds out in the field. There's no white bucket. Like, yeah. What am I doing? And I had to struggle and fight for her to get into that five-yard mark duck that was still like it wasn't alive really but like it it was still moving a little bit so she could see it she got that and then like a light bulb switched on Mm -hmm. and it was like every bird from then on she i mean there was like so it was a artesian well they call it okay so like the part right in front of us was still open water but the outskirts of it was thin ice to normal ice you could walk on and she did blinds from the water to the ice and straight back, she did blinds. I walked her out around the pond and did blinds on the ice. We had cool. to go hunt, a, hunt up a few ducks. Sig got like, an, like when we were doing a cleanup hunt for cripples, he like found a duck hidden God knows where. No way. And got to get a live duck retrieve. And cool. So one of the one of the things Kevin wants to chat. So I'm going to the mic here in a second, but I think. That right there, extremely well-trained, like passing master tests, passing finish tests, but hasn't had the real live thing yet. And it does take a duck or 10 ducks for them to go, hmm, it's the same but different. And they figure it out and you do see a light bulb moment come on. And so I think whenever someone sends a dog to us to get trained, we're always like, you know, the first few hunts, leave your gun at home. The first few hunts, you're a dog handler, not a shooter. You know, help coach the dog on how to be successful, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, you got to witness it really with Sprocket. It's like, yeah, this is not a jump shoot hunt in our beaver pond that she's known since she was a puppy. Like, mm. it's a different pond, different place, probably totally new, like, you know, we don't train out of a frames or panel blinds. Like all of it was new to her. And all of a sudden it's like, she heard her name. She's like, hell yeah, I'm out of here. And just runs. And it's like, she didn't mark shit. And there's birds dumping everywhere. And it's like, she knows how to mark them, but she didn't. She just ran and was like, now what? Mm-hmm. Help me out. And then that one bird it just clicks. Right. Yeah. All right, I'm a slide to Kevin. We got to get more mics. It's way easier to just have my own mic and cut you off. <laughs> One of the things that I liked hearing you say is that you got out of the water or got out of the blind, excuse me, walked out to the open ice and then sent your dog on the retrieve. I feel like a lot of times we got hunting with people and they just get all excited and birds go down and you send the dog and just assume that they're going to go and do all these different things. But if you train or excuse me, hunt like you train where the dog understands being lined up and understands like getting to a point where they can see more uh, like have a better viewpoint things like that like set them up for success in that kind of way it's a lot smarter way of hunting especially when your dog is new to the scene like sprocket and stuff like that so that was awesome to hear maybe just reiterate for people got slide it back we gotta get like a like a all right and we're back (laughs) Uh, I also would say that that another piece of advice for folks is think about your backdrop. So if you're standing in an A-frame and they can see you from like your shoulders up and you're trying to handle your dog on a blind 
and all they can see is shoulders and arms flailing, you know, that's not really setting the dog up for success when you have to run a blind. So step out of the A-frame. Exactly. So very cool. Tell us more. What uh, species did you nab on that duck hunt? Uh, mostly mallards and Canada goose. Um, goose was Steve's favorite to hunt because they're wildly harder to shoot than you would think. They fly fast. Um, and then we got widgeons, which Sweet. were pretty cool. Uh, we were all pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, going back to like the, the first hunt kind of thing too, like even with Colt and, and wild birds, um, a lot of the rules that we teach them in training kind of went out the door cause you don't want them to be unsure about stuff. And, um, he definitely was like, went to a wide open South Dakota field and was like, like either let's run a mile straight and then hunt or let's, you know, heal for a little bit and figure out what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. I mean, especially like handler and dog. It was on both our parts of like, I just sent her the first time. It was like, I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't line her up for success at all. But also like I, from that, I incorporated a lot. Like even when it does get cold where we are, like practicing safe ice handling. So she's not just sliding everywhere and kind of knows how to grip herself before she's chasing after a crippled duck, you know, on cloud nine. You're right. Um. And then also the other thing was that was was remote blinds. So like having her, she was in a down when we were in our layout blind, she was in a down with a, a camo cover over her, like just her nose poking, poking out. And uh, when they came in and we shot, she would sit up, which was fine because at that point they're not really. You're not flaring. Yeah. Um, but also like learning to handle her or even release her from that remote, like away from you position was huge. But. Yeah. One of the things that I've, I've incorporated in our dogs training as they get ready to go home and hunt is running a blind from a dog stand or a ground blind compared to here, heel set good right there. No here. Good, good right there. No here. Good back. Right. Yeah. And basically you, you fine tune them a lot less. You get them to look good back and they just jump off the stand and like run haphazardly and like toot, boop, 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 and they get back in the groove and it gets better with time. But if you try and fine tune them on the dog stand or out of the ground blind, it's like ugly, <laughs> so ugly. So you just kick them loose, let them get out and then start handling. But I've practiced that a lot because I would have people be like, he runs great blinds sitting next to me. But when we're in the dog stand in the marsh, he won't jump off the dog stand on back. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Like, a sucker's never done that to me. But I haven't done it where he, like, I would do it on land off a dog stand, not in water where, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. just little things that. It's big to the dog, but it's not big to, like, in a, like for our thinking, it's like, he's done this before. It should be fine. He's but... done it a thousand times before. Yeah. But that one little nuance of being in the water and getting kicked loose from a dog stand, and it only takes two or three successful sends, and then they're off and running. But if yeah. you've never, you know, as a owner that didn't train it, that to them is like, now I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we work on that a good bit now because nice. it, it bit me in the butt a few times where it's like, huh, no, he, he definitely knows back. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. So, cool. All right. So, this is just outside of Aberdeen. Uh, this one was on the western side of Fre- oh, uh, You don't have to name the name. People yeah. will 
Okay. Yeah. One of the, yeah. It was the Western side of South Dakota. Very good. Yeah. So where did you do, is that the end of the hunt or did you have more in store? No, that was pretty much the end. So we did, so we did, uh, I think three duck hunts and like two upland hunts there, mm-hmm. um, on private land. They really some birds, but like a lot of it was to like keep the predator population from eating the wild birds. Okay. So like there was some chucker, um, mostly pheasant, but the chucker that was released was like the predator population control. Give them some to eat. So they leave the pheasants alone. Yeah, Interesting. Pretty much. All right. Most memorable retrieve for sprocket. Oh, um, it was actually a blind retrieve. It was on our last duck hunt day when it was like, like beginning of December and it was like 60 degrees. We we're hunting in like shorts and t-shirts in our layup lines. Um, but there was ice in the pond still. And, uh, she had just come back from a goose and they, a group of widgeons came in. We got those, came her back and sent her on a blind retrieve through water up she crawled up onto the ice, broke ice, and then onto regular ice and came like straight back to me with almost no handles. Sick. So that was pretty. And then there was the guide's dog broke and was running around. And the other dog was just kind of, he went to get like a mark retrieve. So there was like three dogs out in the field and she just did this perfectly in my eyes. And I was just pretty Hell stoked yeah. on it. Hell yeah. Our <laughs> best SIG retrieve. His first goose. He got his first Canada goose and he didn't know what to do with it. And we just, we just let him figure it out and let him have fun with it. And he brought this, I mean, he's a littler dog for a male. He's definitely, he's actually probably smaller than Sprocket. Mm -hmm. And he dragged this big honking goose back by the neck. That's awesome. Pretty proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fast point for Colt. Wait, can I add one to Sprocket? Yeah, you knew you. She had it. I think I got the goose actually. It was on ice on the other side of the pond. She came back and it was biting her. Oh, really? And she held on to it till I grabbed it and then it started biting me. <laughs> anyway, so best point for Colt. Um, the one that Steve let get away. Oh, poor Steve. You didn't have his tactical gun? No tactical <laughs> gun, Kevin says. There was no, no good sights on it, no red dot. Um, I think it was the second pheasant field we went in and Colt pointed perfectly. Steve actually handled him because I was away and uh, he stayed steady to flush and Steve yelled hen and it was a chucker. (laughs) He just looked back at me and just shook his head. Disappointment. So sad. Yeah. So sad. So that was the most memorable. All right. Most memorable. Um, most memorable for you shooting wise or what you saw and experienced. Um, when those widgeons came in, I think we got five of them and Sprocket picked up all five. Really? Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. So she, I think she marked two of them. And then the rest were, I mean, there weren't hard blinds, but still they were all three blind retrieves and sweet. And then the guide complimented me on both our dogs. And, Good for you. Yeah. 
So uh, were you hunting both Sprocket and Sig at the same time? Mm-hmm. So during like the five widgeon that got knocked down, Sig's just like chilling? Uh, he was on a leash, so he's not quite as finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more of a experience hunt for him. Mm-hmm. But he's very like calm, like as a general demeanor. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't noisy. He he wasn't great like a down for the layup lines, which we didn't expect. So we didn't really know how to train him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you held him, he would stay fine. And okay. then as soon as you let him go, he'd go. And so it was just like uh gentlemanly style of like, all right, let's bracket get these. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Or I mean, like I'd hold her back and or, yeah, exactly. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So you had your honeymoon hunt and, a hunting moon, Kevin says. Oh, hunting moon, I like that. Hunting moon. Are you going to do another one this year? We haven't got anything big like that planned. Uh, the South Dakota takes a little planning because like you have to pull duck tags. Right. Um, but we have grouse camp booked for uh, northern New Hampshire right after opening week. Cool. So we've got a few days up there. And then I've got some guiding on the books and I'll actually be up in New York, probably a good bit to hunt through her upland and then probably just come hang out with you. So. Great. Hell yeah. I'm here. Um, are you going to be down in Master National during a lot of the, the early action? So that means, Marie, we going out hunting? Yeah, so me All and Kevin right. are going to be hunting. Yeah, Master National is ruining my hunting season. Shout out to Master National Club. Um, all right, where I wanted to go somewhere next. Okay, you have a question? Yeah. Okay, Kevin's up. Lead. Mm, you thought I was going to say bismuth. I switched it up on you. Hey, get you and your buddies prepared for duck season just like you're preparing your dog. Seven and a half by Kent. Go to the clay bird course. Go to sporting clay course. Get right so that you can knock more birds down with that bismuth this duck season. From the duck blind to the holding blind, baby, it's Purina. The food that fuels the truck of lone duck. The big dogs are eating the 3020 Purina Pro Plan Sport. We do the chicken blend. I've also had friends that have super success on the salmon blend, but it's a great food to fuel the athlete that gives you their all. So why don't you give them your all? Feed Purina. All right, when you're looking for supplies to help you and your dog train, we've got you covered. It's LoneDuckOutfitters.com. It's a no-brainer. You can Google it. No biggie. Link's going to be in the description to make it even easier. Whether you need bumpers, launchers, e-collars, swag, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Check it out. We appreciate all your support. Uh, What is the latest with Tika? Tika. Uh, K9 Tika. She is doing fantastic. In Remind Texas people who school. Tika is. Tika was the Malinois I was raising. Um, I got her when we got back from down south last year. So last April, not this April of 22, 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, raised her for a police department down in Connecticut and for detection and she's in detection school right now and she's doing fantastic with her new handler and she's i miss her dearly but yeah 
She was special. She's a cool, yeah, she's a cool dog. Yeah, she was really, really cool. She had crazy retrieve drive. Like she was a Labrador in a mile in my body. Loved to swim, loved to get bumpers. You know, me and you would play tug and bite stuff, but it wasn't her gem. That wasn't her jam. It wasn't like what made her tick. She loved to retrieve, mm-hmm. which probably will make her a phenomenal detection dog because of the reward of like a Kong or whatever afterwards. But uh, she was intense. Yeah, very, but but also less intense than a lot of the other Malinois I have now met. Oh, I would agree. But it was like she was on when when she was off. She was cool and like hang out and she was a busy body and like doing stuff but she wasn't destructive or crazy like a lot of the uh stigma or stereotype would say but she was like you just look at her and be like that's she's thinking she's smart she's outwitting us and at every every second every second (laughs) everything she could think of she was outwitting us she was super cool so Cheers to her and her career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, will she be bomb or drug? Or um, the last I heard, and I don't know if this changed course at all, but she was actually, she was actually a gun dog. So she was going to be gun detection in a hospital setting. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Yeah. And we've got about 220 acres to play with, uh, a seven acre beaver pond and a couple other ponds couple other ponds to come hopefully yeah. and uh clearing a bunch of land to hopefully have a big area to run on and, and you have a beaver problem <laughs> <laughs> we've got a beaver problem there's the beaver problem at marie's there's, yeah so if anyone likes to deal with beaver problems yeah <laughs> you know where to come <laughs> yeah so to, uh a lot of it is wooded right mm-hmm. so you're clearing land hopefully Hopefully this summer and probably st- already started. So you're going to have even more field work. Mm-hmm. How are you thinking of designing it? Like, do you have this like master plan of what it's going to look like? Like with all the places you've gotten to train and be a part of and see down South in Camden and um, here in New York and the hunt test we've gone to, like what are, what are some cool ideas? So we're a little limited because clearing land is not easy. Even if we have someone come cut it, we still have the stump and grade and make it. So essentially what we have is like, <clears throat> it's a biggish, it'll be, end up being probably like a three acre by 10 acre long run. Smaller than my backfield. How big is your backfield? I don't know. It's a good question. I always just round out saying 20 acres, but I don't know if it's true. I think we'll probably be around like the 10 acre mark. Okay. Um, plus the pond. Mm-hmm. So really what I would like to do is kind of smooth out some of the hills and valleys so that we have like, like still have hills and valleys to run in, but like you won't lose sight of your dog. Correct. Um, so we're kind of moving a lot of things around. Pushing dirt. Pushing out of dirt. Um, and then we kind of got to figure out our waterways and make sure we're, we're doing that right as far as it's not just going to drain and it'll actually hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll probably build hopefully one more like fairly big tech pond. Okay. Um, have the big beaver pond to run in. And then we've got one little tech pond that we're kind of expanding right now. Okay, cool. Uh, 
as a new business owner, excuse me, you know, we get a lot of questions that come through Instagram and the podcast saying, Bob, how'd you get started? And how's it been? And da-da-da-da-da. How has it been? What are the struggles and triumphs and pros and cons of going out on your own and like taking this risk and investing your life into this industry? It's a loaded question. Um, well, it it is literally invested my life. So pretty much every penny I have saved in my life has gone into this. Um, very thankful for my husband because he's put a lot into this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of struggles. We'll start with that. So it's stressful. You go weeks, maybe months without phone calls mm -hmm. or messages or anything. Um, and it wears on you. It's not, I mean, you've been through it too. Everyone who's been in this business, I guess, has been through it, but. And any business. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something you question yourself every day, but at the end of the day, you, that dog leads to one more, which leads to two more. And, um, that's kind of where I've come around as far as being a business owner and understanding the whole process is just, you gotta be patient. It's like dog training. Like you, you just have to be patient, put the work in and do it right and don't cut corners and be good to other people. Um, so those have been the struggles, I guess. But on the same hand, I joined a club up there, which has been nothing but great to me. They've referred a whole lot of people to me. Um, and then the plus side to everything is one, obviously like working for you has been enormous in my education, but also your guys' support has been, you know, over the roof as far as referrals and stuff like that. Um, but also at the same point, like I'm pretty remote. So being able to come up here and train for a day or two is a huge relief and fun and feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And like even my bird dogs have pushed me to, get them into doing more duck dog marks, even though they're not duck dogs. Sure. But It'll make not? them better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of where I, I kind of had a switch in the past month or so. And I think my dogs are looking better because of it. And they look good today. Thank you. I thought they look real good. Yeah, no, I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud of all of them. They're all really young too. And that's another hard thing. Like when I go do train with you or other people, it's, they usually have a higher level dogs, which, it's great. And I get to run Sprocket and Colt. Um, but at the same time, I remind myself that my dogs are young and they'll be there in a year, maybe two years. And right. And it's, it's been good. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I feel like I'm in that boat right now because for a, two years, I, the it's, I'm, I don't know how to say this the right way. So it might come off wrong, but like, I had the luxury of you being here. And so the meaning luxury is like, you are an asset here. You could be trusted and kicked ass with the young crowd. 
and the troubleshooters and the difficult ones. And we would like powwow on this dog's a real gem. And I'm using gem lightly. <laughs> Bob, can you come watch and, you know, we'll, we'll work this sucker out together. And, you know, you, you have that opportunity to bounce ideas off of each other mm -hmm. and say, well, did you try this? Or to run out of ideas like, Son of a girl. you know, okay, let's try this. And then it works or doesn't work. Can we keep working together where you're by yourself and I've been there forever, I feel like, where you're just like living remote, you know, in remoter, that's probably not a word, but remote areas. Um, and there's not retriever trainers up here that are a dime a dozen to come like you drove five hours to come and hit motivated. But yeah, like I could tell, like I could tell today, like you're kind of bummed. Like we're running big dogs and it takes four hours to do all the big dogs. And then it's like, now we do the young dogs by the bug and now they want more and, and you have more of those and, and it ebbs and flows, but you know, for me right now, I'm, I'm feeling very similar to probably how you feel. It's like, man, I'm spending so much time. I've got nine dogs on force fetch. Oh, nine. That was me last year. Right. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. And while you were doing force fetch those nine, I was putting nine through T pattern and swim by and pattern blinds. So I could go and focus two and a half hours on those guys. Will you focus two and a half hours on those guys? Mm -hmm. And then we met up at nine 30 and went and had fun. Yeah. And we could blow off steam and tell how terrible they all did <laughs> and, you know, rock and roll for the rest of the day. Now it's noon yeah. By the time I'm done with all that stuff, and it's just like, I don't have anyone to commiserate, if you will, on the that kind of day to day, and and I feel like even though my my bigger dogs are doing well and I'm proud of them, I I miss focusing. I personally miss focusing on the big dog stuff, and and it's you're I'm in this like little mode of. How do I juggle it all? Do I have a young dog day and an older dog day? And then a next day is a mix. And then an older dog day and a younger dog day. And then the next day is mixed. And you, but at the end of the day, you just grind. And that, I think if everybody thinks that they want to be a dog trainer, you, you have no idea how much effort and stress and it's not stress like deadline. This dog is not doing this and I've got to send it home in a month. Like there's deadline stress, but it's not corporate stress. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Would you agree? Yeah. It's a lot of self-pressure, but at the, I mean, at the same time, the deadline stress, like I had to, you know, I started and my dogs looked good, but I had to reevaluate my, some of my, um, yeah, you know, it, it was mostly my bird dogs. You know, like I didn't want to push them through as fast as I thought I could push them through, and I uh, it's not how I want to train them. And that wasn't the results I was seeing. Well, actually, I, I did think they looked good, but it was it was just too fast. Yeah, you know, and I I feel like it wasn't 
what I wanted. So I kind of had to recheck myself and redo my expectations and relay that to the owners, which everyone's fine with. Sure. Cause they understand once I can, you know, once I stop putting that pressure on myself and I'm like, I'm not going to force your dog who doesn't like to retrieve to retrieve in two months. Right. As a bird dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or a come. lab for everyone else. Like, yeah, they're not all cookie cutter. Yeah. And, and some of them will come around to it and that's fine, but like, let's let them do what they're good at. Let's make them good at that. And then let's go from there. So there's been a lot of learning and it's been a lot of, like, I have to give you props. Like it's been a lot of help from you as far as like, just almost just stop, just stop thinking, overthinking things. Like again, train the dog in front of you, do what you have to do and make it the best you can. And Mm -hmm. that's all, I mean, that's all you can do at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Um, What is the biggest proud moment you've had as your own business owner with a, with a, uh, anything, but then with a dog. Um, getting my NI prize one, my little wire hair pointer, Sadie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hell mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a prize one perfect score. <laughs> suck it. In. Suck it. All you NAVDA people who don't like the word perfect score. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, no, I was, that dog had a very nice turning point and, on her it wasn't even the it was the nav prize one but it was on the day before we did the take-home lesson with her owner um who's local to this area and she did phenomenal like she was she found her birds perfectly pointed stylish held the flush held the shot and went on her name and retrieved a bird for him yeah. straight to hand. And I was, I literally couldn't have been prouder. Good for you. So that was, that was yeah, kind of just it. Like just, just, just like Cubby. Cubby. Mm, I'm mostly like proud of that one picture. I took a Cubby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, as a business owner, um, what's, what's your proudest moment? Not just being a dog trainer. What was it? I'm still working on that one. We're still we're still working through the first year here, bud. Well, what about your truck? What about the kennel? What about your first client? I mean, those are all things to celebrate. Yeah. I think maybe it's not what I'm most proud of, but what I'm most excited about, again, was kind of my turning point as far as being smart and growing my business and my attitude and everything was going down to Connecticut to our property, coming up. Um, Coming up here is a huge thing. And then like, I've got a few trips to Maine to go work with my NAVDA group up there. I got a few retriever trainers up there I'm going to go work with. And I think, yeah, just being able to travel. And do my business has been kind of 
live. Excluded, right? Like mm-hmm. by yourself working, you're literally by yourself all day. And, and everyone thinks, oh, you're just playing with dogs all day. And yeah, we enjoy dogs. We get it, folks. <laughs> all day. From the minute you wake up until the minute you go to bed. 5.30 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. All you think about Monday, Tuesday, yeah, and Wednesday, you, and you dream about Thursday, it. Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. Oh, it's Monday again, Tuesday, Thursday. You're, you literally have dreams. I've got Carrie wakes up next to me and goes, hey, hey, you're dreaming. I'm like, oh, uh. She's like, you're saying knock it off. <laughs> like, like, hell yeah, knock it off. Quit barking. Right. That's what I'm dreaming about. It's all day. And, and it, when you're by yourself, truthfully, it really does become almost like this monotonous thing where you can get in a rut or do the same thing over and over again, or feel like you're not making progress, but then you go and train with other people and you see them kick ass and you're like, we are making progress. Mm -hmm. It is fun to be with other people and listen to tunes and do, we do a beer blind challenge. We haven't done one yet tomorrow night. Oh, we got another podcast tomorrow night, but Thursday night we'll do a beer blind challenge. And basically it's like you, you pick a dog out of the hat that can run a blind and we, we pick out a Mondo blind that's tough and you have to drink a beer while the dog's running a blind. So you're like drinking and blowing a whistle and everyone's laughing at you (laughs) and, you know, busting your chops and you're trying to monkey with this dog and it's beer out your nose squirting beer out your nose and having fun and it's just like a moment like that that five three minutes you're running that blind or whatever it is mm-hmm. you're you're it's not your job anymore for a second so yeah it's it's fun it's fun yeah well, i'm proud of shit of you and uh i think you'll continue to evolve all right, so we had a mini technical difficulty. We were just talking about Rambler and Bo and Leroy, but basically, whatever you missed, it was a gem. So sucks to suck. But that, there you go, Marie. Cheers to you. Everyone, Silver Lion Kennels. We don't do Silver Labs. No Silver Labs here. Silver Lions only. Um... Marie Medeiros, a dear friend, badass. If you're in the Northeast and you're looking for bird dog work, (laughs) or retrievers or gun dogs, whatever you want, look her up on the old Instagrams and the old websites. Um, Give her a follow. And if you have any questions, you can hit me up too, and I'll put you in touch with her too. But, uh, Take it away and and tell everybody a little, like, finish it off for you. Website. Yeah. Uh, SilverLionKennels.com uh, at SilverLionKennels for Instagram and Facebook. And I do right now mostly bird dogs. But retrievers and gun dogs and companion dogs you've got a couple puppies that are being available for home soon yeah hunting i mean really like they some of them could go home now and like come back and training but others you know keep them through the summer and get them ready for duck season yeah yeah Yeah, they're really nice too you've done an awesome job with them so if anyone's looking for a started dog um hit her up uh 
a selfish plug for myself too. We've got one, possibly two that Mark can slide into either of our DMs and learn more about the dogs we have available. But Marie, it's nice to have you back here in London showing us tonight. And cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters is a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in, let's go, join the community. We appreciate it and we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.